0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'd like to welcome y'all to the Destination Devi podcast, hosted by Ray Garvin, your number one source for everything Devi and Dynasty Fantasy Football. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. If you'd like to take off your seatbelts, it's safe to do so at this time. We'd like to thank you for traveling with us today, and we hope you enjoy your flight. episode nine of the Destination Debbie podcast. I'm your host, Ray Garvin. You can find me on Twitter at RayGQ. Make sure you're following the show at Destination Debbie. And this morning, I was alerted to the fact that the show actually made Apple Podcasts new and noteworthy list. Really, really cool in the sport and recreation category. I have to thank each and every listener so much for downloading the show, for subscribing to the show, for leaving me feedback and ratings and reviews because of you guys that the show is able to gain that sort of attention and notoriety. And I want to continue to provide good content for you guys. So stick with me, spread the word. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate that. Now, with that being said, you guys know that I am not too big to admit when I was wrong or that I found a better way to do something. And I had a conversation on Twitter about a month ago. Very brief interaction with Josh Hermsmeyer, very respected analyst in the community, and he provided me some feedback as to my process of film evaluation on prospects. And I've learned that there is a better way to do it than I have been over the course of however long I've been doing this. Now, what I normally do is I watch the full game film of a prospect. I want to see every carry, every reception, every incomplete pass. Not just the highlight reel plays, but the, the negative plays, the positive plays. And for me, my minimum is six games. So if there's a rising junior prospect, I want to watch three games from their freshman year, three games from their sophomore year, and then come to my conclusion on how I value that prospect. If they're a senior, I'll try to go 2-2-2. Two, two, two. A rising senior, I'll go 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Whatever the case may be, I like to watch six complete games of that prospect before I have an opinion on that player. And normally you just cut on the tape. I like to watch all 22 films. So I try to find that if at all possible. And then I kind of cut them up and and, and then go about it that way. Well, what Josh told me was, if you really want to refine the process and really evaluate how a prospect is in game, then you have to break it down situationally. You have to look at those runs on first and 10 versus third and long. It's situational film analysis. And I think there's something to that that I need to work on and refine my process in order to be a better film analyst. There's a big difference between a running back ripping off a 30-yard run on first and 10, which is traditionally a running down and situation, opposed to third and long when you've got three down linemen, two linebackers who are playing off coverage and a bunch of defensive backs. Running back gets the ball on a draw. He's not even touched till he's 12, 14 yards down the field, runs over a DB, there you go, 30 yards, opposed to Third and short when the box is stacked and a running back is able to maneuver his way through the traffic and pick up those long yards. So I think, and what Josh said is if it were easy, everyone would do it. So I know that moving forward, I'm really going to try to evaluate these prospects situationally. I want to see how many of them move the chains on third down, what they do on first and 10, how they perform on second and long. And I think by breaking down and evaluating prospects that way, you'll have a better and more complete, accurate picture of how successful they are in different situations. So just a little bit of me admitting to you guys where I need to improve. And maybe that's what Travis Etienne was doing earlier this week. Maybe he just wanted to admit to the world that he is not a good pass catcher. He is scared to catch the ball. And I'm paraphrasing his quote entirely, but essentially that's what he said. The difference between me and ETN is I don't have millions on the line. I don't have 32 NFL teams evaluating me and and wanting and risking millions of dollars on me. I I have nothing to lose by saying I was wrong. I need to improve in a process. I know some people say, well, he was just admitting his weak points. He was just, you know, I commend him for coming out and saying what he needs to work on. Well, uh, I hear that. But again, uh, there was nothing to be gained by him saying what we already know. He is not an elite pass catcher out of the backfield. He's not a good pass catcher out of the backfield. And it's definitely something that he has to work on in order to improve his draft stock next year. And for dynasty owners, that is my concern. Those are, and I know I say just because somebody hasn't done it doesn't mean they can't do it, but he's coming out and saying, I I'm, I get nervous, you know, I- I'm already... I feel like somebody's around me. The quote entirely was, I feel nervous, I guess, because the ball is coming, and I always feel like the defender is right there. So I run before I catch the ball and get spooked by my surroundings. He's got exceptional bursts. He's got great long speed. But the the best NFL backs, Alvin Kamara, David Johnson, CMC, Zeke, Le'Veon Bell, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, the elite running backs, they've all demonstrated an ability to thrive on passing down situations, that they can stay on the field first, second, and third down. You have to be able to do that at the next level. And the way that NFL offenses are going, that versatility from from a single back provides offensive coordinators so much more flexibility and offensive creativity. And if coming into the NFL, ETN is not comfortable or awkward or nervous or scared to do that, there's no way as dynasty owners we can take him ahead of a DeAndre Swift. I'd be interested to see how Eno Benjamin does this year, or Jonathan Taylor. If you are truly afraid to catch the ball in traffic, he he won't be lined up outside. There there will be no versatility with him. You're looking at what? A two-down runner? And that's what you want to invest top 5 Debbie Capital in? You know, your 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 number 1 or number 2 2020 first round pick is that the type of player you want to invest in? And those are questions that he has a chance to answer this upcoming college football season. I just don't think that he'll really have the opportunity to do that. I watched eight of his receptions, and three of them were shovel passes forward. Like, literally, right there behind the line of scrimmage, just kind of tap it forward, and that's a reception. I'm just concerned. I'm concerned. Clearly, he's concerned. And as Dynasty honors, I'm not telling you to press the panic button. I'm not telling you to abandon ship. I'm not saying that Travis Etienne is going to be a bust. All I'm saying is in 2019, he has to show an improvement in the passing area in order to maximize his draft capital for the NFL draft and for Dynasty and Debbie owners. That is something that we have to be paying attention to this upcoming fall. So this week's Debbie team preview takes us down to Louisiana, the Bayou, the Bayou Bengals, LSU Tigers, and what do they have on their team that Debbie owners Need to be paying attention to this upcoming season. Well, I'm going to throw you guys for a loop because for me, the best Debbie prospect that they have on their team is not an offensive skill position player. It is that that prospect is on defense, and his name is Grant Delpit, the rising junior, safety, defensive back, all purpose, all world defender, preseason All American. Last year, Started 13 games, had 74 total tackles, nine and a half tackles for a loss, five sacks, and five interceptions. He is, in my opinion, one of the top two or three de- defensive players available in the 2020 draft. And I don't participate in IDP leagues, but a lot of people that I talked to said they like to build their squad around linebackers or versatile safeties. Grant Talbot is just that. He is a versatile. Versatile safety, former high four star recruit, six foot three, about 210 pounds. I mean, this guy can do it all. I think playing him close and around the line of scrimmage would be optimal. I mean, evidenced by five sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss. He's relentless. Uh, I've seen plays where he'll blitz, get knocked down, get up, scramble, chase down the quarterback, get a sack. He's got an ability to track the ball. I wouldn't say that he is an elite cover safety. You don't want to have him one-on-one man-to-man. But he he does an exceptional job. He's got great closing speed. And I think at the next level, you're looking at what's probably going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He'll be an immediate starter for whatever club drafts him. I mean, he he reminds me of a bigger, more athletic Tyron Matthew. And ironically, he's switching to that coveted number seven this season. So it's probably wheels up for Grant Delpit. I know that if you play in IDP leagues, If you play in IDP Debbie Leagues, Grant Delpit's probably already rostered, but for 2020, the best NFL and dynasty asset, I believe, on the LSU Tigers is Grant Delpit. Now, switching gears to the offensive side, there's really a lot of interesting pieces on LSU's team. You've got Joe Burrow at quarterback, who transferred from Ohio State, showed that he's one of the better quarterbacks LSU has had probably since Zach Mettenberger at least throwing the ball. Their offense really opened up once he found his groove. But for Debbie and Dynasty related purposes, I I don't know. We'll see what Joe Burrow does this year. I just don't think he has any potential as a starting NFL quarterback. That can change this season. Probably a viable backup. So as far as Debbie Draft Capital, you really don't want to invest in that. Now, they have a slew of running backs at LSU, and that's where it sort of gets a little murky. So you've got Clyde Edwards Hilaire, there's Chris Curry, you have uh, Tyrion Davis Price, and then you have the coveted John Emery Jr. Now, according to um, Debbie Watch, their ADP that they've conducted from Debbie mock drafts that they have, the highest rated offensive skill position player that they have is John Emery Jr., incoming true freshman, five star recruit, number two running back in the nation, verified coming out of high school, 4 4 240, a 4 uh, 2 short shuttle. 37 inch vertical jump. And Barton Simmons, the director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, compared John Emory Jr. to Darius Geis. He is the 36th overall prospect as far as ADP and Debbie drafts. He is a very muscular, dense running back. He is very, very athletic. He's got speed. He's explosive. His burst, it's all elite. And he's got that running back frame, right? He's he's got the power to run over defenders. He's a pretty good blocker that I've seen on high school tape. He's loose in the open field. He's got acceleration. He's got home run ability. You don't really see a lot of high school running backs catch the ball out of the backfield. Didn't see that much on tape. And he had a couple of injuries that sort of hampered him this past senior season. But he is was was a coveted running back that LSU snagged. A lot of people thought he was going to Georgia he's got serious, serious talent. And if we're selecting him in you know late second, early third round of Debbie drafts, Debbie mock drafts, he's somebody that's going to have an opportunity to produce as a true freshman. Now, the incumbent starter is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who five foot nine, 212 pounds. He was a former four-star prospect himself, and he had a very respectable uh, season last year running the ball, and he should enter the season as the starter. I think It won't be long before he and John Emery are splitting carries. They've got Chris Curry and Tyrion Davis Pierce. Price, they're both sort of like the hammers. They're big backs. Uh, Price is 235 pounds, 6'1", 230. Uh, Chris Curry's another big running back that played a little bit last year. Very gifted athlete. But I, I believe for what we're looking for as dynasty owners is John Emery Jr., and don't sleep on Clyde edwards lair I think he's got some potential. Can't really see him being a feature back at the next level, but he may get a shot to get drafted, training camp, make a roster as a backup. He, he's not a bad back, but John Emery Jr. is the guy that we're going to pay attention to. And I'm really excited to see what he does on an improved LSU offense because of their skill position wide receivers. They have Terrence Marshall and Justin Jefferson, but the guy that we need to be paying attention to Jamar Chase, uh, right now, according to Debbie Watch, he's, the 40, he's 46 overall in ADP. And last season, he really showed uh, an ability to, to catch the ball in limited opportunities. He only had 23 receptions, but those went for 313 yards and three TDs. Very, very athletic as a freshman last year. That's, that, those are decent numbers for an incoming freshman to have. I think with Burrow more comfortable on the offense, with an improved running game, I believe it's going to be a very, very good season for Jamar Chase, and I would have no problem drafting him, you know, late third, early fourth round of Debbie drafts right now. I think he's got that opportunity. I think he has the athleticism, the ability, the size at six foot one, 205, 210 pounds. You like that out of a wide receiver. He's not a blazer. Uh, but you know LSU has produced very good wide receivers over the past couple of years going back from Dwayne Bowe and then of course you know about Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. I think Jamar Chase is is a talented prospect who really has an opportunity to show some things this season so from a team Debbie standpoint it is not as fruitful as some of the other position, the other teams that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks but on the top end with John Emery Jr. with Jamar Chase, uh, with Grant Delpit for you people who play in IDP leagues, it's very top-heavy, and they should be one of the better teams in the nation, which will provide opportunities for these players to explode, pop on tape, and work their way up Dynasty and Debbie rankings. Now, last week, we took a look at Travis Etienne versus DeAndre Swift and really dove deep into the game, not just what I saw on tape, not just what their stats looked like last season. We really wanted to break down what these prospects did well. We compared offensive lines. We compared, you know, certain traits that each of these guys had. And today we're going to break down two wide receiver prospects who should be within the top five of everybody's Debbie rankings and 2020 wide receiver rankings, Tyler Johnson and LaVisca Chenault. Chenault, the rising junior wide receiver out of Colorado. And Tyler Johnson, the rising senior wide receiver from the Minnesota Golden Gophers, both of these guys are very, very good wide receiver prospects and interesting in their own ways. You've got a, a savvy senior. You have an explosive junior who sort of popped on the scene out of nowhere this past season, and he only played nine games in Visca. So we're going to start by taking a look at Tyler Johnson, six foot two, two hundred pound rising senior. Last season, he had one hundred and twenty-one targets. Caught the ball 78 times for 1,169 yards and 12 touchdowns. Going into this football season, he was named by Athlon Sports as fourth team preseason All-American. Coming out of high school, he was a quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, so he wasn't even a wide receiver in high school. He played quarterback and defensive back. He was a three-star recruit, so he really had some transition that he had to make coming into college. And he did just that. Each and every season that he's played. He's produced and he's gotten better. So as a freshman, 14 receptions, 141 yards in the TD. Nothing to really get excited about. But look what he did as a sophomore. 35 receptions, 677 yards, and 7 TDs averaging 19.3 yards of reception. So he's shown an ability to get better each and every season. And then, of course, last year, you heard the stats over 1,100 yards and 12 TDs on 78 grabs. Very good. You like to see that out of a wide receiver prospect, especially one that didn't even play the position coming out of high school. Now let's take a look at LaVisca Chenault. Six foot two, 220 pounds. So he's considerably heavier than Tyler Johnson. And you can see it when you watch him on film. Coming out of high school, he too was a three star prospect, but he was a wide receiver prospect. Athlon Sports has him as a third team preseason All American entering into the 2019 season. Last year, he had 106 targets, caught the ball 86 times for 1,011 yards and six touchdowns. He also ran the ball 17 times for 115 yards and five TDs. He only played nine games last season. He had some injuries, was limited, battled injuries throughout the season, and it really showed when he was off the field, the Colorado team was not the same. When he was on the field, I believe they started like 5-0 and on the season. So, He's that type of dynamic athlete, that type of dynamic presence on the field to where the team really revolved around Laviska Chenault. Now, who do these guys have on their team? Sort of the Robins to their Batman that really helped them out or lack thereof. Now, in Chenault's case, his Robin to being Batman is Katie Nixon. Katie Nixon last year had a 636 receiving yards, which is very, very good for a, a second wide receiver. The problem is Katie Nixon's 5'8", 185 pounds. Now, Tyler Johnson, on the other hand, has another stud outside of him. Rashad Bateman was a true freshman last year. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He had 51 receptions, 704 yards, and 6 TDs. Was a high four-star recruit. Bateman, in his own right, will be, and mark my words now, a top Debbie pick here in the next couple of years. He is a very, very talented wide receiver. So as far as help, on the uh, on the offensive side you know they both had talented players outside of them and yet to command the market share the target share that these guys did is is impressive and it really shows just how good they are as prospects now speaking of market share Tyler Johnson's market share from the receiving standpoint last year was 43% which is crazy high uh, last year Johnson had a 52% dominator rating, which is first amongst 2020 eligible prospects. So he is that guy. I mean, when when Minnesota is going to throw the ball, there's a damn good chance that Tyler Johnson is going to be the guy who's receiving the ball. Now let's look at let's look at LaViska Chenault. So he had a 45% market share last season and a 43% college dominator rating, which would be fourth amongst 2020 eligible wide receivers. I mean, Chenault is right there, neck and neck, with Tyler Johnson as far as how good they produce in receiving yards and touchdowns, which can pile and make up that dominator rating. I mean, Tyler Johnson's first, and LaVisca Chenault is fourth. Very, very athletic. He's got size, he's athletic, and there's versatility to his game. And when you watch any of LaVisca's highlights, you'll see that right off the bat, just how he was used, where he lined up how he played within that Colorado offense. He is a very versatile receiver. Now, let's go more in depth with those statistics. We we heard about how many yards they had, how many touchdowns, but let's really break down that game and dive deeper into the analytical side of these two prospects. Now, let's start with LaVisca Chenault. So Colorado's passing offense ranked 45th in the nation. They averaged about 249 passing yards per game a lot of that was because of LaVisca Chenault. So of his 86 receptions last year, 46 of them went for first downs, which is outstanding. We know that he's moving the chains over half of his catches produce first downs, but let's dive a little deeper into what those receptions look like. So between zero and three yards, 22% of his receptions went from zero to three yards. Four to seven yards was 21% of his receptions. 8 to 20 yards, this was his largest market area of, of catches. 39% of his receptions went for 8 to 20 yards, and 12% of his receptions were 20 yards and, 20 yards and above, and the number there was 12, so he had 12 catches at 20 yards or more. 418 of his 1,011 yards came on first and 10 situations, where he averaged 9.1 yards per target. 37% of those receptions produced first downs. Let me repeat that again. So a little under half of his yards came on first and 10 situations. He averaged about nine yards per target and 37% of his receptions produced the first down. Really, really telling, you know, majority of the times first and tens are running situations, but they threw the ball to him and he got almost half of his yards came on first and 10, which is, which is good. They can go to him at any time and 9.1 yards per target on those on that situational passing down. Pretty damn good for Chennault. So let's let's dive into the money situations third down. Third and long, third and medium, third and short. So third and long situations really really impressive. He had 10 targets. On those 10 targets, he caught the ball for 201 yards and two TDs. So third and long, he throw it his way, he was producing. Third and medium, he had 14 targets for 125 yards, and 82% of those receptions produced a first down. So, third and medium, when the team needed him, if they threw him the ball, he almost produced at a, you know, damn near 100% clip to produce a first down. Now, third and short, he had six carries, and on those six carries, he scored two touchdowns rushing, and he had two targets for 16 yards and one tee. So, third and short, they really weren't throwing him the ball in those situations. So, Again, let's just go through these numbers one more time. His highest percentage of receptions went went between 8 and 20 yards on the season. His second highest percentage of receptions was between 0 and 3 yards, and that is one of the concerns that I've had with LaVisca was his average depth of target. Watching him play, they threw a lot of flare routes to him. There was a lot of bubble screens. It was a lot of screens out of the backfield. Not a lot of his receptions were in that middle range, between 4 and 7 yards. It was 8 to 20 or zero to three. Now, conversely, let's take a look at Tyler Johnson and how he produced on those same categories. So he had 121 targets, 78 receptions, 49 of his 78 receptions produced first downs. Now, receptions, zero to three yards. He only had seven on the season, so I didn't even factor in what the percentage of that was, whereas Visca Chenault, you know, that was his second highest percentage of his targets. Now, for four to seven yards, 12% of his receptions came within that yard range. 23% of his receptions went for 20 yards and more. 18 total on the season. So LaVisca Schnaught had eight had 12 grabs of 20 yards or more. Tyler Johnson 18. 54% of Johnson's catches on the season. 54% went for eight to 20 yards. Very, very impressive number right there. Like I like to see that. So You know, over half of his 78 receptions, he was picking up at least eight yards and at max 20 yards. That's phenomenal for a wide receiver of his size. And it just goes to show how savvy he is as a wide receiver. Now, 515 of his 1,169 yards came on first and 10 situations, and he averaged 10.3 yards per target on those passes. Remember, LaViska Chenault, 9.1, very good, had about 418 yards. Tyler Johnson, 515 of his 1,069 yards, came on first and 10 situations where he averaged a first down every throw, uh, every target, 10.3 yards per target, phenomenal. Now, let's look at those money situations, third and long, third and short, third and medium. So third and long, he had eight targets on the season last year. On those eight targets, he produced 90 yards, and 80% of those catches produced a first down on third and long situations. Third and medium, he had 20 targets for 124 yards, two TDs. 58% of those targets produced a first down. Third and short, right? Third and short, probably going to run the ball. When he was targeted, nine targets, he had 53 yards, two TDs, and 67% of those targets produced a first down. I mean, Tyler Johnson is a chain mover. He is. You you get him the ball on those money situations. That's phenomenal to to see that. 80%. 67%, 58%, everything is over the 50% mark for him in those money situations. Both of these guys are very, very talented wide receivers. It just may it may be that Tyler Johnson is a little more refined as a wide receiver at this point in their career than LaVisca Chennault. And some of that definitely has to do with the fact that Johnson will be a fourth-year senior and has produced every year that he's been in college. Now for the subjective tape analysis, what do I see when I see these guys play? When I see Johnson, I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. I see a savvy NFL contributor right now. I believe that Tyler Johnson, upon entering the NFL, he could be a starting wide receiver too, sort of along the lines, the same path that Calvin Ridley took. I know Mohamed Sanu was there, but Calvin Ridley was a wide receiver too on the Atlanta Falcons. I'm not comping Tyler Johnson to Ridley, but I'm saying that's the sort of level of impact that I can see him having from day one. He is a savvy route runner. He's strong at the point of catch. He does a good job in the air with his body control. He's a great route runner. I think he is right there with Jerry Judy as one of the top route runners in the 2020 class. And there's something to be said about playing four years in college. He's seen different coverages. He knows how to read defenses. He doesn't just run a slant. He analyzes the defense and makes sure he gets down before taking a massive blow. He's a very, very refined route runner. He's got great hands, and he can do stuff after the catch. LaVisca Chenault, what I see with him is a ridiculous athlete. He's got size. He's got explosion. I think he's faster than Tyler Johnson. I believe he probably is a little more explosive and versatile than Tyler Johnson. You can use Visca right away in a multitude of ways entering the NFL. Watching his game, you know, a, a lot of the reason why they used him they did, the way they did at Colorado is he was the best offensive player that they had. I, I know Nixon is is a good wide receiver, but Chenault really was, you know, the key to that offense. And when he was on the field, damn it, we've got to get him the ball any way possible. He's a tank. When he gets a full head of steam, you don't want to tackle him. Defenders didn't want to tackle him. He wasn't going down, whether he was running the ball or catching the ball. My problem with with LaVisca Schnault is his injury history, and a lot of people just point to the foot, which isn't all the way. He's not even cleared for practices yet. You know, he he started the season out great, and then he missed three games with that toe injury. He came back, and I don't think he was all the way right. And then in this final game, he tore his labrum. So he's got, you know, a, a foot injury, a toe injury, and he he's got a torn labrum that he's recovering from. He's still produced, which is phenomenal. But I just want to see Fiska get healthy. I hope we can get a full healthy season out of Chenault, and he doesn't enter the NFL banged up because of his usage at Colorado. Is it the usage? Is it how he was used? I mean, he only had 17 carries, but they've got to take something off of him in order for him to make it through a season and and enter the pre-draft process as healthy. As he can be for me, both of these guys are top wide receiver prospects. Lavisca Chenault is in my tier two of wide receiver prospects. Tyler Johnson is tier one, but I can easily see Visca moving up. I don't see Tyler Johnson moving down anytime soon, but I can definitely see with another strong start to the season, with another season. I mean, hell, he he, he missed half of the season being healthy, and he still produced. Imagine if we had a full year of Visca. He's going to terrorize defenders in the Pac-12. I know a lot of people won't watch Colorado games, but Chennault is somebody that you guys need to be paying attention to, as well as Tyler Johnson. I think both of these guys are primed for high, high 2020 uh, draft picks, not only in the NFL draft but in Dynasty rookie drafts as well. And it's a really, it's it's a really interesting dynamic that you have at the wide receiver position. There are so many different. Wide receivers in this class, and it's just going to be a matter of of personal preference and landing spot. You've got so many unique talents at the wide receiver position. It is going to be a fun ride. But these are two guys that not only have the the tape score to back up their game, they've got the analytics and the numbers and the data to back it up as well. Tyler Johnson, Lavisca Chenault, keep your eye on these two. They are going to to really, really pop in twenty nineteen. And only continue to ascend on Dynasty and Debbie radars moving forward. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I hope you've enjoyed your flight. We'll be landing in just a few minutes. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Destination Debbie. I appreciate you guys checking in again. Last month was the signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey giveaway. This month, I will be giving away Derrick Henry, King Henry, number 22, in that beautiful blue Tennessee Titans uniform. It's packaged up. I don't even want to take it out of the wrapper to take a picture for you guys, but all you have to do to enter. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, screenshot that bad boy, DM it to atdestinationdevi, and bam, you're entered for the Derrick Henry jersey giveaway. Put it on your wall and look beautiful in your man cave, in your woman cave, in your office, in your garage. All you got to do is leave a review. That's pretty damn simple. A five-star rating, that's really easy. And I send you a signed NFL jersey for you to hang up. Pretty easy deal. Again, I appreciate you guys getting the show on the new and noteworthy list. I want to continue to bring you guys great Debbie content, get good guests on the show. So every review, every rating is much appreciated. Thank you guys so much. I'll be back again next week with more Debbie content. Until then, you know what's next. I'm done. Drop the music.